Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Kevin Flaherty, 247 Sports, CBS Sports, a national college basketball writer, joins us on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul, and I'm David Smoke. Kevin, thanks for your time. Is the Big 12 in men's basketball kind of equal footing to what we see the SEC in football the way they have been the last 10 or 15 years? I think it's better. And the reason I say that is that in the SEC, I think you usually see strength at the top, but not necessarily strength all the way through the bottom. And what I mean by that is I think Oklahoma State is better at basketball than Vanderbilt is at football, if you want to take it, you know, literally in that. But I think that the Big 12 has schools that are in that sort of 12 range, 11 range, somewhere around there, that are probably legitimate Big 12 tournament teams in a lot of seasons. They just aren't necessarily going to get there this year with, with how stacked the Big 12 is. And I think, you know, you're looking at probably eight to ten teams probably getting in. Somebody's going to have a really good basketball team and not make the postseason. I think when you look at SEC football, you look at how many bowls there are out there. You know, generally speaking, when, you know, you have an Arkansas team like this year that doesn't reach the postseason, you can look at that team and say, oh, okay, Arkansas wasn't really that good this year. I'm not sure that's the case in the Big 12 when you look at sort of that that group that's going to just miss out on the postseason. Kevin, how many legit Final Four contenders do you think there are at this point in the Big 12? You know, it, it's probably fewer than most people would think, in my opinion. You know, I, I think Houston reminds me a lot of that 2017 North Carolina team that won the national championship. You know, it's a it's a team that stacks up a lot of extra possessions because they turn you over at a higher rate than you turn them over, and they dominate on the offensive glass. And when you look at those two things and you look at how important possessions are in March, if you're getting up 70 shots and the team that you're playing against only gets up 58 shots, you're generally going to win. And that's kind of the model that I think that Houston team follows. I think every team outside of Houston, Houston's vulnerable. I don't want to act like Houston isn't. But I think every team outside of that has something that really makes you hit pause. And, you know, I think even with where Kansas is at in the standings, there's a real lack of depth there. They've been playing better uh, since moving Johnny Furphy into the starting lineup. I still think that that's a concern there. You don't have to be eight deep to win in March. And one of the things that Bill Self has talked about in the past is he's had some shorter benches is with all the, you know, the extra TV timeouts and all the different things that you have in March, you can get away with, with playing a shorter rotation. It's not the same thing. 
But at the same time, I'm not sure Kansas is getting anything out of its bench right now at this point. That's something that's going to have to get a little bit better. I like Baylor a lot. Baylor is kind of weird, though, in that they're a glove that doesn't quite fit, I feel like, and that you have a roster that you go up and down, and it feels like they're they're born to run, right? Like mm-hmm. Jacoby Walter is a terrific player in transition. He's missy. He runs – I don't care who your center is. He runs better than who your center is. And, you know, you look at that team and you feel like this is a team that needs to get up and down. But you have a point guard in Ray J. Dennis, you know, who, who kind of slows things out. He He's a lot more methodical, I guess you would say, as a player. And Baylor's tempo is in the 200s. And so that scares me with that team a little bit, even more than, you know, the road shooting splits, things like that. I feel like Baylor is just a little bit off, and I, I feel like when you keep going down the Big 12, you find similar issues with every team where it's kind of like, I want to say that this is a team that's going to go to the Final Four. I want to say this is a team that can get to the Final Four, but there's something that holds me back from saying, hey, they're they're this team right now. I think I'm not picking Houston to win the Big 12 necessarily, but I think if, if the NCAA tournament were today – I think because of the extra possessions that team creates, Houston is maybe the best case to reach the Final Four right now. Kevin, you kind of touched on talking about Houston there, but uh, the other three newcomers to the Big 12, BYU, uh, Cincinnati, and also UCF. I think they've been in the news here this week for some reason or another. Uh, But how have you uh, thought about their uh, early entries and their early play here in in league uh, competition? Yeah, UCF is really tall and athletic. And when you have that combination, you're going to cause problems for for some people. The issue with UCF is they aren't the most skilled team. And so if they aren't making shots, it's going to look pretty ugly, like you saw what happened when they went to Manhattan. But, you know, they wound up getting down, I think, to Texas by 16. They got down to Kansas by 16 able to fight their way back and win both of those games. Obviously, that, that says quite a bit. Cincinnati is maybe the newcomer that you just don't want to play because they're physical. They get on the glass. You know, it, it's one of those things. I, I remember, you know, after Muhammad Ali beat, you know, Joe Frazier in the third of their fights, you know, both of those guys spent extended time in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, it's kind of like that when you when you play Cincinnati. Even if you win that game, it feels like you're going to need a, a couple extra days in the cold tub after that one. And, and then BYU, you know, I, I get where they were picked by the media. I get the coaches even picking them 13th. They were a hard team to figure out. But at the same time, they were the most experienced team in the Big 12 in terms of what they returned from last year to this year and and I think that we've seen that play out they're a team that they understand who they are they have a lot of experience playing together they move the ball well they shoot the ball well and and that's usually a pretty good combination you know um, I watched Cincinnati Baylor last Saturday night at the uh, Foster Pavilion and you're right man they they've got some some dudes underneath 
and the way they play. You're right. They they I, I they're they're big inside. I don't one kid. Uh, I think he might be from Russia or Ukraine. Whatever. Yeah. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he did in their most recent game. But they've got another, and I forgot his last name. He is a dude. Like he looks like he could play outside linebacker in the NFL. He is very physical, and and you're right. I thought that they probably could have done a better job even inside against Baylor, uh, but I, you're, no one's a gimme. I mean, you thought, okay, wait no. a minute, UCF, we know where they were picked, BY. No one's a gimme. It, it is absolutely already a conference that was stacked with 14 teams, and now with even more, and they're as stacked as they were, and these four teams have come in and made a difference too. <laughs> and you're adding Arizona and these other oh. teams to the mix as well, but – but no, and I think, you know, as I think it's been hard, and I know you guys are long-term Big 12 guys, as I am. You know, it's when you look at things from the football side, I remember very specifically uh, RG3's team and Paul Feinbaum saying, well, in the SEC, that's a 6-6 six and six team. And I didn't believe that for a second because I saw that team in person. I saw the, the way that team ran around, you know, RG3 you know, just tremendous speed and all of those different things. But I think the SEC, you know, we have a tendency to prop it up because of how good the top of that league is. I agree. Like in any given year, Georgia is, you know, is Georgia. And Alabama, at least while Nick Saban was there, was Alabama. And LSU in a lot of years is LSU. But I think that there's maybe not quite as much strength, you know, when you start talking, okay, this is, this is the eighth best team in the SEC in football. This is the 11th best team in the SEC in football. That's where the Big 12 differentiates. Is Yes, you have Houston, you have Kansas, you have Baylor. You have those teams at the top of the league. But what you also have is the fact that, hey, it's a random Tuesday night. And I actually told a Houston friend of mine this when they joined the league. And they said, well, Houston can play with anybody. And I said, the problem isn't going to be when Houston – say it goes against Kansas. The problem is, is when Houston goes to Ames on a random Tuesday night and they play their C-plus game and that gets a beat. Because I, I think that's the difference in the Big 12 is just the fact that, hey, you, you can be a really good team. You can be extremely talented. If you're not playing your A game and you're closer to a C game, I'm not sure there's pretty much anybody in this league that can't beat you. Kevin, what do you think the long-term future for uh, Rodney Terry is right now, given how Texas has uh, kind of fumbled their way through parts of this season? Yeah, it's frustrating. You know, I'm one of those people that likes to see everybody succeed. You know, if it were if it were up to me, every single Big 12 team would go 18-0 and in conference and be the best version of themselves. But, you know, I think that's one of the troubles you run into when you have an interim coach that – you go ahead and tap to be the permanent guy that had such a low success rate. And I like Rodney Terry and I like Rodney Terry personally, but I don't think there's any doubt that when you have Dylan DeSue and Max A. Smith, you shouldn't be one and three in the big 12. Mm -hmm. And when you have the guys that that they have around those guys, you shouldn't be one and three in the big 12. And I know that, you know, some people will say, well, you know, he's got to put his own team together, all of those different things. Nobody gets, that anymore in basketball and and, you know tj osselberger is a big problem why with the success he had in year one jerome tang Mm -hmm. is a big part of the reason why with the success that he had in year one jerome tang brought back two guys you know and 
Rodney Terry was a guy that was at Texas last year, was the head coach for most of the year last year. And when you look at the guys that they brought back, the talent that they have, it's really not a good look for them to not be significantly better. That should be a Big 12 contender with the talent that they have. And the fact that it hasn't been, I I think it hurts their long-term outlook. It doesn't look great when you have, obviously, the – the kind of things in the media that Texas recently had in terms of the horn, nobody wants to hear that. You know, everybody wants to hear, hey, you don't want UCF throwing the horns down, then beat UCF. And I think that that's kind of where Texas is at right now. It's not that their season is irredeemable, but this is also a team that if the NCAA tournament were held today, wouldn't make the NCAA tournament. They don't have any quality wins. And so I think Texas is, is kind of behind the eight ball right now and this is a team that you shouldn't be behind the eight ball with. Kevin, uh, Texas Tech is 14-3 and three overall, 3-1 three and one in the Big 12, just dropped their first conference game. What have been your impressions up to this point of Grant McCaslin and just this new era of Red Raiders basketball? <laughs> you got to love that, uh, that Scott Drew tree, huh? Yeah. No, it, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, it was funny. Isaac Trotter is our, our other national writer and, you know, I can tell you before the season started, you know, I kind of liked Texas Tech. I could kind of see it. And he would he would call me and he'd be like, man, it's I get that it's 8 o'clock at night in the off season, but I just have this feeling about Texas Tech that, you know, things, things can kind of work out there. Grant McCaslin's an unbelievable coach and obviously showed that at, at North Texas before he even wound up getting to Texas Tech. But they also had – Kind of, I don't want to say a similar setup to Jerome Tang, but somewhat similar in that if the team was kind of brought together in the right way, the pieces could work. And, and I think that that's what we've seen from this Texas Tech team. It's a it's a team that's that's not perfect. It's a team that's that's flawed. You know, Pop Isaac's as talented as he is. He's going to drive you nuts sometimes by by coming down and. and taking a, a 30-footer, but that was what Marquise Noel did at times Yep, last year for, for Kansas State. And so I think Texas Tech is a program that he's getting the most out of those guys. The pieces are fitting. I think Joe Toussaint was just a, a masterful addition for what, the, what he's been able to bring from a stability and sort of, okay, let's calm things down standpoint. They're defending well. They're obviously incredibly tough at Texas Tech, and I think that's that's one of the things that you notice about the Big 12 in basketball as well. Is and, and you know it feels like it's even more true now with the addition of, of Foster Pavilion. Is man, the home courts in this league and, and the home court atmospheres in this league. You know, it's there's a reason that home teams right now are 20 and eight. And four of the losses belong to Oklahoma State in Texas. I mean, it's just, it is so tough to beat a really good team on the road, especially with the atmospheres that a lot of these teams have. I had a chance to visit with Scott Drew earlier today, and he was talking about, you know, Jalen Bridges is the only player back for Baylor that's a starter. You know, you were talking about the rotation, the regurgitation, or whatever, the ripping to shreds of rosters. And I did not realize this. And when Texas, when I noticed they're one in three, and they, they, you know, they had the last second win against Cincinnati. But with Asmus, DeSue, Brock Cunningham, Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell, like, what's going on there? Like, why aren't they winning? 
it, it's hard to figure out. And I think that there's a formula that they probably need to follow, and that's that Dylan DeSue needs to be their best player every night. When mm-hmm. you look at the way that he was last, at the end of last year, he was playing like an All-American. He was, I agree. When you look at the Big 12 tournament, when you look at the NCAA tournament before he got hurt, and I think Max A. Smith is your closer and your your guy that plays off of that. And, you know, it, they've got the kinds of role players around those two that they shouldn't be like that either. The defense hasn't come along. That was a problem even last year. You know, last year at the end of the year, it was just that Texas was scoring so well that it didn't matter uh, as much because they were just outscoring people. But I think the defense ha- has been a real problem. You know, DeSue, since he's come back, he's had moments of looking like Dylan DeSue, but he hasn't been that guy all the time. And, and that's kind of what you can you can say about that roster. But there's, there's kind of an interesting stat out there that is probably going to change with the addition of all these transfers and everything. Do you know the last team that won a national title without returning three guys who started at least two games for them the previous year? It was 1997 Arizona. So, jeez, you yeah, yeah. typically you typically have to bring back three guys with starting experience from the previous year. Texas has all that, and there are a lot of teams that that don't because teams, you know, basically had to you know hit the reset button on the rosters. But it's also worth looking at Texas, you know, from that standpoint, saying you're bringing all these guys back why aren't you better than than you are right now? Yeah, it's weird. It is weird, and there's a mixture of chemistry, a com- you know, when you're bringing in moving parts sure. or whatever for your rotations. Thank you, Kevin. Great stuff. Appreciate your time. Uh, Kevin Flaherty, CBS Sports 247, a great college basketball writer. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.